Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your fight. We're in this game. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Welcome back to Line Change. This is not Michael Leboff. It's Tim Kalinowski. Leboff on a much-deserved, much-needed vacation. Um, you know, that happens when you're an Islanders fan. So it's just Nick and I here handicapping uh, Tuesday, January 16th in the NHL. There's some games on a, a big slate on a Martin Luther King Day Monday. And so we got a lot of back-to-back situations and really, you know, really missing Leboff here because some, you know, dogs on the board that we're not excited about. And I know that's how we're supposed to start the show. Nick, um, you're not feeling great about an underdog play. Your underdog play is dot, dot, dot. It looks like in the, uh, in the, in our little rundown here. Yeah. So I've got two leans here with the news as we speak that uh, Talbot is going to rest Monday. I don't know if the Kings are just deciding they're going to concede this game in Carolina. We'll see how it goes. I've been sitting on the Kings here. I thought they were pretty unlucky again on Saturday, which sounds insane. But if you look at the Wings goals, they're pretty favorable bounces. And I don't think those would typically happen again. So I'm kind of sitting on the Kings here. The stars have regressed. They're having a hard time. I thought they actually got slapped in in Chicago on Saturday. I was really pissed. I had the the Hawks money line, and I thought it was actually a great bet the way the game went. Um, the stars really haven't been playing that good. They haven't been getting that good of goaltending. They got good goaltending in that game, but I think the Kings there, and then the other one that I want to hear what you think about that I think can get interesting for sure is the Ducks game, and maybe we'll di- dive more into that. But I think the Ducks. They're at plus 170. I can see this situation, that number growing a little bit as people put together the back-to-back situation um, versus the Caps. I don't want to play the Caps as a big favorite versus anyone. They have no scoring upside. What they do well is hang around and just play really defensive hockey. They did it on the weekend versus the Rangers and played two really close games. Maybe those help help the maybe those the Caps get a little credit for those. But yeah, I think the Ducks and the Kings are my leans right now. And then I guess that's it. It's a, it's not our dream slate. We're given the good Monday slate. <laughs> yeah, where's Leboff to to rescue the underdogs here? I think to to touch on the Anaheim one, it's probably the most enticing um, from the ones you listed because I just yeah sure Anaheim's on a back to back, but there's not that big of you know if you just played it by the numbers right, you give the Caps their home ice. You you know how much do you usually give for a back to back? I don't know ten fifteen cents. Like what is it? I yeah I kind of have like more things I'll look at than strictly this situation like I think um, obviously the travel situation matters the the way the game that went the night before matters who played how many minutes I think is an underrated aspect you know when you're you know if you're the abs and you have to roll all five big dogs 30 minutes I think that's more of a factor on the back-to-backs so there's a lot that goes into it I think the standard rule from most models is right at about four or five percent relative to a normal game just strictly talking in terms of the whole season. Um, but even so, yeah, so even so, though, you get to this number and it's just like, what is that really the difference between these two teams after all that? So, and I'm, and I'm is a little enticing. And again, so they're playing, we're recording this on Monday afternoon as these games are going on right now. And Anaheim's going to be able to 
you know, fly up to Washington, get a good night's sleep and play a seven o'clock game. It's not the, it's not the craziest thing in, in the world. So I think that I would be uh, a little intrigued to play Anaheim here. If I get, you know, I don't know, over plus one seventy ish, maybe. Especially with Kemper too. Cause I've kind of defended Kemper this year, but now who knows if they'll go to him here because they already played Lindgren both legs of the Rangers back to back. So I would think they're kind of just saying like Lindgren's our guy, whatever at this point. Um, but the, the gap between those two has become pretty notable. Kemper was not good again in his previous start. So he's kind of struggling, starting to seem harder to imagine he's going to con- uh, turn it around. And then the ducks, the other note too, they're healthier. Now they've got all their, like Carlson played today. Um, They've got that helps with the back-to-back situation. So for sure, yeah. So I think it's ducks or nothing for me there. And then I like where you are going to head with your one. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going with the Arizona Coyotes um, against the Calgary Flames. They're in the plus one thirty-five range right now. Oh, up to plus one forty-two. I see somewhere. So yeah, I think I'm going to play the Yotes here, and, and really. It comes down to, you know, we've been joking about it that this is a Yotes podcast and we, we you know, we have uh, a lot of futures tied up in this team. But if you think about it, um, this is a huge game for the for the wild card in terms in, in the Western Conference right now. So Calgary is two points up on um, Arizona, one point up on Arizona, but Arizona has two games in hand. So if we as a podcast thought that the Coyotes were you know, game to make the playoffs, then we think that, you know, their game to make up these two games and against Calgary with the two in hand and use it to their advantage and get a win here. I know that, um, you know, they lost to the Flames, what was it, last week or two weeks ago? And I just still think they're extremely similar teams and there's no back-to-back type thing going on here. I think that Calgary is still kind of listening to the rumors of being like a second away from selling off. And that's not really the, that's not really the message in Arizona right now, which is like, Hey, we're kind of playing with house money type team. We're still growing. We're hoping to um, climb the next step towards, you know, rebuilding this whole operation. So when you're talking about, you know, a plus, you know, 140 ish team here in Arizona, I think they're a lot closer to Calgary than that. And, you know, the standings say so as well. Right. Yeah. I, I think so. And though I'm kind of coming at this from a bit of a different angle here. I mean, the flames have had, they had a really good week, the dad's trip and we, yeah, man, we yeah, they did the dad's trip. They you did. know, like of all the stupid little trends that I like hate giving credit to, we got to do this dad's trip tracker. Cause I we swear it's just teams it just cook. And to be like, I, you know, we, we posted the flames to win in Vegas on Saturday. So it's not like we weren't <laughs> didn't get paid off somewhat on this, but I swear the dad's trip is like an actual thing. It feels like teams just always bring it when they're on the, the dad's and mom's trip. So I don't know. We got to get Evan on that one. Um, oh, dad's trip letdown, right? You know? Yeah. Well, and the thing is for me, I liked the Arizona, the two performances that they bounced back with after they got slapped by Calgary were a little telling to me. I think that they're just capable of playing this game close, making it competitive. I think, Plus 145 is just a little too long. So I'm kind of leaning the under and the Yotes, I think, are both solid plays here. Just the way that this is going to be competed. I think Arizona's at their heart still capable of playing low event hockey, making it kind of a coin flip. And still don't know if the Flames are going to be this potent offensively. So I kind of think they're a good team to to keep in check on that front. So I like those looks there. Uh, 
you know, I had so much fun at the Sens Flames game last week. I've decided I better attend this one too, given that it is archived. Hey. So um probably reach to get a couple more looks in there based on that front as well. But yeah, I'm well, uh, quietly pumped for this one. Well, I thought we were getting a, a gift with um, the total at six and a half when these teams last played and there were five goals in the first period. So that was uh, that was tough. pretty tough. I, I'm having a hard time going back to the well on the under there, even though that's fair. Yeah. I do. Even though I did like the under again on open, I didn't bet it because I just can't get out of my head that I gave the phone one refresh before turning that game on uh, the other night. I said, well, now I don't need to turn it on. It's I uh, threw the Yotes under versus the wild out there for good measure and, and that was also a disaster for different yeah, reasons but exactly there um, you go in arizona should be an under team that's how they want to play um but yeah so i i just think that that's not quite the gap between those two teams our yotes and again maybe there's a little bias in there but hey come on it's our yotes and you'll be in attendance so that is the the underdog portion really miss uh again leboff in in Tough slate for us to handle without Leboff. Oh, I know. Not fair. And and look, I'm in the I'm in the Action Network studio here in New York. So look what they give us when the second Leboff leaves, they give us all the bells and whistles, right? I mean, it's very, very telling. Poor um, Leboff told us that he was listening on the radio to the Islanders uh, final six second collapse. So we'll throw that out there. We I guess I feel for him, but the caps could also still pass the aisles. So anyways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we move on to uh, one of his arch nemesis, nemeses, <laughs> the New York Rangers. They're hosting the Seattle Kraken on Tuesday. Rangers are a big favorite here in the minus 200 range, over under five and a half. Kraken will be playing a back to back in this situation. They're at Pittsburgh right now. Not a grueling back to back Pittsburgh to um, Manhattan, but hey, this is a a tough spot for the Kraken who have been on quite the run. And now right now they're down to nothing to Pittsburgh, but winners of nine in a row, the Seattle Kraken decord, the goaltending has come together. You know, is this, you know, Nick, are you buying the Kraken in the situation or is push come to shove here? The, the back-to-back might be a little too much. Well, knock on wood, hopefully the pens hang on here, but I thought that the time to sell on the Kraken was coming and hopefully we got one of them in, in Pittsburgh today. And I think the second leg, I don't know how the numbers will hold up, but I would even play down right to about minus 200 on the Rangers. And first off, just the injury situation for the Kraken's really tough. If Beniers is still out, if Burakovsky's still out, and then obviously Vince Dunn, I think Vince Dunn's quietly one of the biggest needle movers in the entire league and they play him a ton of minutes and he's legitimately quite good. So could be, their three best players. It could be their three yeah. best players. Yeah, and then Decord played um, Monday, and, and will hopefully make thirty saves in that game. So yep. hopefully doesn't go here. I think it's one of those things that seems crazy when you're talking about this kind of a number, especially just last week when we talked. We were saying how the Rangers haven't been that convincing at even strength, but I just think this is it sets up as such a horrific spot for the Kraken, shorthanded and. I like the Rangers to kind of take advantage and pay it off. And one thing I think New York does do well, I don't necessarily think this is even a trust me take. If you look at the history of kind of what they've done with this current roster core is I think in spots like this where they can hang around and compete and maybe even own more of the play at even strength. They're good at creating plays that are going to be actual goals. Like I don't think they're too likely to get goalied in a game where they actually play well and own some of the play. So I'll bite. I think the Rangers 
could actually even be a bigger favorite in this game if uh, things hadn't gone the way they had for Seattle lately. And Seattle, too, I think was, I mean, they weren't like a team that was playing like they should have won 10 in a row or was it nine in a row? Like it was nine in a row. Yeah. Yeah. So I think everything just kind of sets up well. I think the Rangers could actually be a bigger favorite here in in a lot of, if this game came about differently. Yeah. I kind of considering the Rangers three-way here, I do get nervous that the low total could lead to a low event game and and could get overtime. That's kind of why I'm a little, um, a little bit scared, a little, yeah, a little just anxious about playing that there. But also, too, I think we talked about how good Decord has been. I mean, so it's going to be Drieger, right, um, going likely on Tuesday, Nick? I Yeah, I wouldn't say like 100% given the Kraken are still in the playoff fight and there's a pretty big gap, but they've been riding. Like I, I have less conviction that they might not go back to back here than other teams when I'll just say like as a rule it's not going to happen. But it would still be pretty surprising. Like, I think you can, it's it's worth just betting now and assuming that it might not happen. If it does, whatever, you live with it, I think, for sure. Even with so, Drieger hasn't started since December 27th. So, like, that's a pretty long layoff for, for goalies. That's, I mean, Decord has been, Decord has played every game but one since December 9th, which is, which is crazy. So, um. Obviously, he's been hot, but this is what happens when you. And I will say, if you look back at that cracking schedule where they've won this, this, these nine games in a row, they've took taken care of business against some inferior teams. Even though, hand up, uh, I was on Ottawa in one of those. So you know, they've they've taken care of business against some weaker teams, and now they get a, a really tough back to back dealt to them here. Um, so that, yeah, I think we we beat up uh, enough on the Kraken here. How about the we did Ducks Caps? Nothing else on that, Nick, right? Yeah, well, I'll throw out on the Ducks caps. One guy that I think is going to be interesting, and I'll probably end up targeting some sort of play on this line. I don't know how much of that Rangers caps uh, back-to-back set you were able to watch doing a big boss NFL stuff, but (laughs) um, the Oshi, Pacioretty, and Strom line was unreal in both games that were pretty locked down defensively. It was really the only positive the caps had. So I'm going to presume they stick together. And I'll probably target them in some fashion. The one that I think is going to be pretty basic that you could probably just go with, and especially maybe if Avechkin remains out, it's been a little surprising how good they've played and how good Pac-Man's starting to play, or Pacioretty is starting to play. <laughs> and his shots are still averaging low. So that's like my first guess on what I'll probably be on is Pacioretty over two and a half shots. I think it's, if he's going to be on a line that controls play with two guys that pass, like Strom passes so well. Um I think that it, his numbers are going to trend up there. So that's kind of the one I have circled, but we'll see where it goes. Could end up just on patch ready or Oshi point also, but kind of got a star on that line in some fashion that I want to target them to have a decent game here. And that's why you follow Nick Martin in the award-winning action app to see what he ends up playing. How about now Leboff's Islanders playing at the Winnipeg Jets Jets are favorites here in the minus 162 range. That's what I'm looking at right now. And the Islanders um, underdogs of, oh, so yeah, I'm looking at Winnipeg minus 170, Islanders plus 142. Total for that game, Nick, yeah, it's got to be what, five five and a half? Yeah, I'm looking at five and a half. Yeah, so this actually would have been a really good spot to have uh, Mike because I don't understand what's going on. I saw Arthur Staple, who's 
pretty reliable and I didn't actually investigate what was going on. I shouldn't say pretty reliable. He's reliable. Um, and he was saying that the owners might have Ken Appleby in net, which I didn't get. I don't know what happened to Sorokin. So I was kind of briefly trying to pull something up on that. That's the one thing that I'd keep in mind because hmm. that's obviously a gigantic difference if you're talking yeah. about a back, back in Winnipeg. But I didn't really get it. I thought this would even be a spot where the owners might actually just go back to back with Sorokin if they don't have another option given their situation. Um, so that's kind of one thing to keep in mind, especially if you're going to lock in the under five and a half as of today, which on an Islanders game too, I know they're kind of like the Preds game was a good case that they're trending towards lower scoring. But five and a half on the Islanders is pretty scary. I don't think I'd be doing that either way. Um, <laughs> I know. And, <laughs> they're an over team, Nick. Yeah, and regardless of that, like I thought I would play the Jets. I played them small at minus 162. I posted. I'd play, the, play them for a smaller play down to minus 170, I think, in this spot. And then if you end up having Appleby come in, which I honestly don't really know a lot about. Again, need you, Mike, come back. But uh you probably tell you yeah. he's um, Ken Dryden. So <laughs> that's the yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> He'd tell us to play him to get a shutout, so it wouldn't actually help. But um, I think it's not a bad spot to target the Jets here after that that Philly loss. I think that Philly loss was really interesting. It's one of those things. This is kind of. I mean, it's one game, so I'm not trying to overly handicap it either. But this is why when we say things like like this team isn't that good of a number. Like you need to be so much better than the field with the way NHL hockey like actually looks when games get competitive. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think it's the same kind of thing if you look at expected goals models and what's considered really horrible and what's considered really, really good. And I think overall the gap is kind of just closer than people seem to quantify. And I think that's why every single year, as we always say, you get into the playoffs and it's a lot more of a crapshoot than people expect because I think it's just hard to completely control your result. So yeah, anyways, that's kind of aside from this point considering we like the jets here but yeah yeah i was um that's when i was doing big dog nfl stuff i was really excited to bet philly in the game and then got distracted doing nfl and forgot to bet philly and looked up and they were already up one nothing and so that was that was really tough for me i was like what i was like somehow some way can i go back i need a time machine because I, I really you know, they they obviously make you work for it with Winnipeg on that eight game win streak heading into the game. You you knew you could pretty much bank on a, on a really good you know Philly effort. But the Jets in this spot, Islanders are traveling on a back to back Minnesota up to Winnipeg. As Leboff would say, you know Islanders always get screwed with the schedule. I think that the whole goaltending thing to monitor is is really what's going to set this line either you know, in a tailspin or not. Because on the open here, I, I do lean Jets to get right. The Islanders just, they just find ways to lose games and the Jets find get ways to win games. And Kyle Connor was practicing today um, in a regular jersey. So that's very encouraging to that team as well for- It is, but it well will be- without him. Yeah, and there's obviously going to be, uh, your roster's better with Kyle Connor. Don't get me wrong. Not disputing that at all. Um it will be interesting to see if Ehlers comes off the top line, though, and if maybe there is kind of an adjustment. We've seen stuff like this happen before where teams get healthy and they had been playing well, and then they're actually more of like an adjustment period. I think that coincides to the Jets probably won a few more games than they you know, always would, given worse luck on some of these bounces. So I think that's interesting. And the other note I'll slide out there on these goalies, because there's a few of these late starts on uh, or late subs on Monday. 
there's a couple minutes there where you can try to jump the market. We always try to say about getting it in early, but like I, I was pissed that Riddick got in and I wish I could have, you know, recommended all the followers that I would try to buy out some, but there's more time sometimes to do that than you kind of expect. So keep mm -hmm. that in mind too. It, it, you know, if you're, if you're someone who's fairly committed and, and not tied up at work and that sort of thing, I get the real <laughs> life happens, but, uh, you know, there, there could be a window here to try and like get news on the Islanders and then get your position in as well, where this one, it really does seem kind of hard to predict what's going to happen. Indeed. Um, speaking of the, of Riddick and the LA Kings, they will be traveling to Dallas on Tuesday night. Dallas is a minus 148 favorite. Um, Los Angeles plus 124 total in that game, six and a half shaded to the under. You already said it, the little goaltending gymnastics there. LA, it's been talked about a lot of how they've been struggling as of late. A lot of losses have come beyond regulation, which, you know, say, do that, take your calculator out and, and figure out how you want to, you know, count, you know, put that in and, and do the math there. If that's a good thing, a bad thing, if that's a, a coin flip type thing, if we can excuse them for the losing, but um, Dallas has Jake Ottinger back, which is obviously big for them. They played him on a back-to-back -back right from the jump, which was, you know, it, pretty hilarious. So Nick, any, any early lean or play on this one? Yeah, it's funny. They went with Ottinger back-to-back, which might've seemed a little crazy and it ended up being pretty crucial because the Hawks actually got a lot of good chances. Um, I want a spot to buy on the Kings. I don't think this is a bad spot because I, I the stars haven't been as convincing, but maybe this isn't it. I don't mind it. Like for me, it's the Kings are pass. I, I think this has been like the worst kind of storm of, of events to make them uh, look a little less strong, right? Like they've played co tough competition. Um, they've lost past overtime. Their offense looks a little flat, but with that said, it's it it seems like it's somewhere between them being unlucky and them downgrading themselves, right? Like I'm not going to sit here and try to say that right now they're as good as we once thought they were. That that seems to be going, but I do still think they bounce back. Like this is a really good roster. This is a it's a proven roster. Nothing's ultimately that much worse. Like even with the Dubois disaster, you still got Byfield playing the way he is and a deep defensive core. So. If anything, yeah, I think Kings are pass. I do think in time there's going to be some good spots to bet them and that they're going to get a little hot here. Yeah, my thing is I still really believe in the Kings and, you know, they did the thing that um, losing teams do that have Pierre-Luc Dubois on their team and that is uh, <laughs> make, him the, <laughs> make him the GOAT in all of this and, you know, down to the fourth line and... You know, it's been, and when you see what Velarde's been doing in Winnipeg, it adds a little it's salt bad. to the wound. It sucks, well. yeah. But and now that they're not winning games, uh, uh, yeah, he's wearing a lot more heat because uh, obviously it looks a lot more serious that he's struggling when they're losing every single night. Yeah. Well, I, I'll say too, I, before Talbot, you know, is not now starting on, on Monday, I was really interested in in playing the stars here because i just think it's a really tough back-to-back -to -back for la carolina and dallas like that is no there's no easy one mixed in to those two two games and two teams that really make you earn it i feel like la this is kind of in, the, in a betting sense where you have to put the blinders on and be like yeah i think they're going to bounce back but maybe the schedule is just too hard for them to bounce back right now you know i think that's 
We think they're going to do it eventually, but this is not a spot to do it right now. It's not not like a huge number too. That's the other thing. See, maybe seeing where the line movement goes. Um, I was prepared to try and jump the over in this spot too. I actually thought it would have been kind of sneaky, but uh, with the goaltending not going the way that I expected, that kind of shook things up on that front a little bit. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. So I'm, I would say that, uh, you know, I would totally endorse a Stars play as of recording this, but I, I want to see what, what happens to the line. I want to see what L.A. looks like against Carolina on Monday, to be frank. I, I, I want to see if there is some bounce back in their game because it, it has been concerning. I know it has happened beyond 60 minutes, uh, a lot of these, but the collapses have been bad. It's been it's been Islanders-esque the way that they have uh, found ways to lose games. So King's certainly a, a concern, and the Stars having Ottinger back is, is definitely a, a huge boost for them. As we move to our other favorite team besides the Arizona Coyotes, the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> this, Nick, this matchup is incredible. We've been waiting for this. This, this is like... This might be the headliner, as Leboff would say. Sharks at the Chicago Blackhawks. The Blackhawks are favored right now in the minus 130 range, which is, I mean, for the Blackhawks to be favored is already, you know, pop the champagne there. The total in this one, I'm seeing five and a half. I'm also seeing more sixes out there, though. Any early lean here, or are you... Are you going to lay it with the favorite here? The the Hawks are finally favored. Yeah. Well, I've flip-flopped my position a bit on this. I think at minus 115, which is out there, I would play the Hawks small, which sounds so disappointing. San Jose's had a a brutal travel schedule this road trip. Um, I know they had a big mess getting in and out of Buffalo um, for Monday's game. They're obviously playing a back-to-back. And then the other thing is it's only a three-game sample. But how good has Chicago played the last three games? Like, it's crazy for them to have lost the game to the Oilers, the game at the Jets, and the game versus the Stars. All three great teams, three really good performances. The first two are what sucked me into a bet on them at a ridiculous number on Saturday. And uh, I, I just, I feel like three straight games that looked so much better has actually given me a little conviction on on the Hawks right now. Like, I think if they play a game like they played in those three, it's going to result in a win here. But that's scary. I mean, this is a complete dumpster bowl. So, you know, but I just know in previous weeks, and it is a really favorable spot for Chicago, too. I think that's noteworthy. But I had kind of been sitting on playing San Jose in this little when this game came up. And now I've kind of changed my mind a little bit. So kind of thinking Hawks are past. Yeah, I was... So excited to see where this number was going to open at and see what what the odds makers um, thought of these two teams. But, you know, it's not a clear picture because San Jose is traveling on a back-to-back here out of Buffalo. The thing is, the thing that scares me off of Chicago, uh, you know, a lot of things which scare you off a Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> bet, but the fact that it probably would be Blackwood going for um for San Jose here. That's a factor for sure. That's kind of the wild card and when you're betting on the Sharks, I think one of the first things you have to do is make sure that Blackwood's starting. So to go the other way here feels to me like, you know, come on. Is there it, should Chicago really be favored against anyone when, you know, the Sharks are getting their better goalie playing like, you know, I mean how low can the market be on the San Jose Sharks? 
Yeah, and I mean, I say this watching the Blue Jackets piss pound the Canucks, hoping that they can finish anything, and they didn't. But um, you bet on a team like Chicago, you do have to accept that you're going to get some chances that go don't go in the net. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That happens. But with that said, they put up 35 shots versus the Stars on uh, – you might see where I'm going with this. They put up 35 shots versus the Stars on Saturday – they're not typically going to own much of the play, which hopefully will leave us with a lower shot prop here. But I actually think given that it's Blackwood, you could go with um, betting the over to 28 and a half. I think mm -hmm. betting him to go over on saves is kind of a sneaky way to target the Hawks here. Because I think a lot of their normal shot generation numbers go out the window when you're talking about playing San Jose on a back-to-back. -back. <laughs> I think I think that's a good point. Um yeah, so you expect that to open in the 28 range? Because to me, that's, I feel like it might be lower. It might be. And that's why I'm saying I think it's a pretty sneaky one. Um, we'll see, though. I, I wouldn't expect it to be too, too low. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a good bet. I think if it was lower than 28 and a half, I'd be pumped. Like any, it was probably 28 and a half, 26 and a half, or 27 and a half, or really. And then anything lower than that would just be excellent. So. Keep that in mind. These ones are tough to give out the day before, but have been liking the shot props lately. I think it's a fun bet and kind of a good way sometimes to get paid off on kind of a run of play. And sometimes game script can throw it off, but I think it's a fun bet because a lot of the time you can get just paid off on having conviction. Like I'm not betting on the goalie. I'm betting on like a team having control of the run of play. So like Monday's game, for instance, posted it on uh, Casey to Smith to go over his total. And at least, regardless of how this shootout goes, we got paid off on that because the Canucks gave up a lot of shots and a lot of quality. So we got got paid off on some front. But I, I do like those bets. Two games left, Nick. Both of them are covered in our best bets here. Top shelf where Mama hides the cookies. We'll start with what will, will be your best bet, the Colorado Avalanche traveling to the Ottawa Senators, the Avalanche minus 135 ottawa is plus 114 the total on this one sitting at six and a half right now shaded to the over colorado when their big dogs are going i mean it's a it's fun to watch it's you're hopeless when you're betting against them and they get the big dogs going and ottawa um our feelings on the Senators have been well documented on the show, and to see Colorado here as a you know feels you know, a shorter favorite, it's like the books really just still giving Ottawa a little too much respect here. And I know, I know we have been playing them too often, but you know, are you picking a side here, or are you going somewhere else? I'm going with the over. And I think you could go with Prozvitov over on saves. That's the way to target the Sens, right? Getting shots and doing something. But I don't want to target them winning. And you look you look at it. They just, they're just getting the worst goaltending. They actually shook up the goaltending coach today. Yep. It wasn't surprising when you have two guys underachieving as badly as they both have. Granted, it's hard to predict goaltending, but... Senators, te the, a team worst save percentage in the NHL, 0.886. That'll get you a 32nd in the league, in a league that has the San Jose Sharks and the Chicago Blackhawks as teams. That'll get the goaltending coach uh, demoted. That's that's not a good number. <laughs> no. And have they defended overly well? No. But if you gave them some of these elite goaltending, they're still a playoff team probably, right? So 
I can see it there. And you look at the Avs. I still think you can generate on the Avs. We've seen that from teams. We talked about how they played a really soft schedule in December and that I thought that helped their defensive numbers. And they're going back to back here. They've got Prozbatov in the net. They're so reliant on their big guns, but I think the other lines Ottawa is capable of getting some points on. So I, I think it's just a good spot for the over. And then you're talking about the Sens having to defend to keep the the top guns from the Avs or just cooking everyone off the board. Feels to me like one that can really break out and both teams should score. And so I like the six and a half. I was kind of surprised this one wasn't seven, to be honest. Yeah, I grabbed six and a half uh, immediately when I saw it on Monday. You talked about it with Colorado. It's well noted. They're second in the league in, in goals per game, 3.6. But the Senators, they, you know, they're still in the top 10 in, in goals per game. So they still can can score. They can generate. We know that's, that's not the problem. It's been their goaltending. The Avs also, you know, when... Aside from, you know, Makar and, and Taves, they're, they don't defend, you know, they're not locked, they're not locked tight on the defensive end. They're seventh in high danger shots allowed, which I think is interesting. That's something I, I, I totally think Ottawa can exploit. No, no, no George Georgiev, Georgiev, who's been really good as of late for them too, you know? So I think that that'll be, you know, that's why I was surprised it wasn't seven as well, Nick, because of, the, the goaltending shenanigans as well. It seems it almost seems a little too easy. These teams can score and their goaltending has question marks. Yeah, Tim, it's hard for me here to make this next comment because the Blue Jackets just won in a shootout. Let's go. Oh, nice. Let's go. Uh, anyways, but I think uh, I think this is just... And the one thing with the abs too, like Nachushkin, don't get me wrong, his absence, whatever's going on there, it hurts from an offensive perspective, but from the other perspective, it's one more guy who greatly moves play in the right direction. So I don't necessarily view that as moving the total the wrong way because I think that um, Ottawa is just very capable of owning some of the minutes in this game. Don't mind the back-to-back -back spot at all either. We'll see how the Montreal game goes tonight, but I think everything just sets up for what will be probably the most popular chalky play on the slate with uh, the over here and then I'll Remind that Prozvitev over on saves, I think is going to be a good look as well. Yeah, I should have mentioned it from the jump. Colorado traveling from Montreal to Ottawa on this Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back. -back. But, I mean, and that should matter for for Colorado because they do, their their top guys play a ton of minutes. So this could be a situation where, I don't know, uh, Montreal holds them tight at the end of the game. They have to put those guys on the ice, on the ice for last, you know, four minutes, whatever it takes. So that's... So certainly something to keep in mind, as good as Colorado is, they do rely a lot um, on the top guys. Just ask Sheldon Keefe. Well, the, that's, <laughs> and that's the other thing, too. You know, you get some Sens goals. They can't hold the lead. And then if you're throwing those guys over the bench every other. It's funny because it was such a soft statement from Keith. Keith, I wouldn't have said it. I don't know if he's trying to get a rise out of his big guns and saying, like, hey, you guys are heart winners, too. But on, like, a serious note, I don't think Keith's wrong because no one else has Taves and McCarr going out with their top three forwards like that. You know what I mean? So it is it's a whole a five five man unit. Like no one can match that when they uh, when you like what do you do? It's just ridiculous, and they are using them more consistently as a five man unit with McCarr and Taves on the back end too. So I don't know. It's funny like everyone's clowning the statement, but I'm like kind of like yeah, you, it is kind of true. It does make you look really soft to just like use it almost like an excuse after a loss. But um, yeah, it's definitely a factor here. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about after the 
Leafs and the Avs played on um, Saturday night. Sheldon Keefe, uh, Colorado, what came back from two, two love, three love in that game to win. Three love. Yeah, three love. So Sheldon Keefe after the game said, when McKinnon's line gets out there with McCarr and Taves, that's just not the NHL. That's another league. That brings us to, you know, our last game on the board, which will be uh, my best bet here. Edmonton hosting the Leafs here. They are a minus 148 favorite. Toronto's plus uh, 124. Total seven. I actually saw it to get, get to seven and a half for a second on Monday as well. Um, obviously, we we know the, the scoring capability of these two teams. And um, the question marks that have happened in that, well-documented as well. My best bet is on the Oilers here. Uh, I think this is a little short for Edmonton. I know we talk about how once the media starts get going, getting going on the Leafs that, you know, they tend to pile on and make it, um, you know, ex- exaggerate what is really going on. A little not, bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Just a tad. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but, and it's usually not as bad as they're saying, but a lot of people are upset with Keefe's comments. And I think that he was in a way calling out his stars and saying, Hey, how come it's another level when these, when their guys are on the ice? Um, If you didn't know our top guys, yeah, they're paid an awful lot of money too. So, and one of them just got handsomely paid in the last week. Shouldn't they? Hasn't played great since either. No, no. William. I mean, it's been like two games, but of course in leaf land, that's a big deal. Right. Shouldn't they be performing at this level? Shouldn't I throw them over the boards and expect the same thing? Um, I think he makes a, a good point. He, he, if he was an analyst on Sportsnet, he'd be bang on. But when you're the coach, uh, he he's had a tendency to call out his stars. Um, I think a, I think he kind of does like the break glass in case of emergency a little too often during his time in Toronto. And, and I don't blame him. There's a lot of heat, right? And it's easy to point to when you're when you're kind of always worried about your job. Hey, by the way, I coach these guys that you pay a trillion dollars to. They're underperforming. You know, it's it ain't my fault. Go look at them. And I, I really am kind of buying into it this time that maybe it's just one too many times to call out these guys. Like I've seen a lot of, he's trending on Twitter right now. Keith is... I just think it's one too many times and we've seen it. I mean, Hey, Bruce Cassidy, you know, got ran out by the Bruins and that, you know, that was a guy who won um, a billion games there and, and it seemed like a, you know, tremendous success, but they just had enough of it. I worry that this is just a little too much. He's just done it one too many times and you're looking at an Edmonton team. Yeah. They're, they're hot as hell. And I just think it's short for a team that, you know, we could get Samson off here too. I see that as projected. Like if Sammy goes, look out, Nick. Look out. Well, I don't. I don't know if Sammy could handle a a barrage that Edmonton's capable of. Yeah, I mean that's a scary thing. I don't know if he will or not. He did play good versus Detroit, and you talk about the Leafs stars and why maybe keeps getting a little more like weight for being an idiot here. He didn't have them out when they lost the game to Detroit. He didn't manage that game real well. I didn't think there was some definitely not the most well-coached game by him in history. And, well, the Leafs and are... he gets a lot of heat for putting them out way too often, right? Like yeah, that I, Anaheim I mean, that's, game, that's they played like the last there. eight minutes, right? I, I get it. That's a tough spot to be in. Like, how am I not yeah. going to go down with these guys, right? And then we say, play them less. And, you know, he goes, hey, I'll play them less. And that's what you get. Yeah, and I mean, the Leafs, 
they are what they are. Like we've talked about it. You can say it's a bit of a disappointment that they're 11th in the league in points percentage, but they are 11th in the league in points percentage, not 20th, not 25th. Like you would, some of the comment and t- comments to talk about this team is just silly. Um, especially when you consider that Samsonov basically just punted a few of those losses. <laughs> so yeah. like if you didn't have, you had some losses there where you just had, and I get that that's part of the team, but like if you're calling out the coach, you're calling out the players, you have a team that's 11th in points percentage and they have had some losses that really weren't their fault. So I think that's kind of an interesting note. But to to go to your points, I like the Oilers here. I I think they're solid. Um, they'd still be my play. And if anything, more so just because of my conviction about how the Oilers are playing right now. This team is playing so damn good. Like we've talked about it. This Their win streak to me, they've had some soft games. But I still think it's been arguably the most impressive of like any of these recent win streaks i think they've had the most games where they just completely folded a team if anything i think their goal differential could have been in a lot of these games like the montreal game and the detroit game could have been they could have been winning big and they didn't and the one thing that's especially interesting is their power play is actually ice cold in terms of (laughs) finishing but the underlying like they're generating a ton i would agree and that's not surprising when you talk about um the way Bouchard, McDavid, and Drysaddle are are all playing right now, and Hyman too. So, it, it yeah, they're for sure going to raise a lot of questions for whatever Leafs goalie gets in there. I think they'll be a bigger favorite by puck drop tomorrow, um, but I'm definitely not going to steer anyone away from it, despite my belief that the Leafs are actually playing a hair better than I think people think. I think we're hearing more kind of shit talk about their actual play right now just because of who they are in the, in the media circus. But... um. Yeah, I, I'm never going to talk anyone off the oil here right here or right now. I think the oil are playing great. I still think, like we said last week, I think there's a lot worse bets than the cup outright. They've already gone from 11 to 1 last week to plus 900 a lot of places this week. I think there's the upside that they enter as like the team that's clearly playing the best hockey. Chances are they might not get a great matchup, but I'll throw that out there. I still think they're uh, playing as well as anyone in the league. Yeah, and they're still in the market too to add it sounds like right they went from is this season going to be lost to let's talk about um tweaking this thing down down the stretch by the by the deadline to get some more depth and and really you know turn what was a a, a five alarm fire into a a possible stanley cup run and i'll just add to to cap it off a lot of it is um, for me a fade on Toronto because if you look at it, I feel like they kind of have two paths to win. And it's one of them's outscoring their problems, which they are good at. And then as of late, last couple of weeks, it was they were defending pretty well. But I think a lot of us were still kind of shaking our heads saying, are they defending this well? Like, can they keep it up defending this well? Like, with how thin their back end is. And I think they kind of got a bit of a boost from the California trip and making that back end look better than it was. So, okay, if they can at times defend well as a team and then outscore their problems, you know, in the other path, Edmonton's better at outscoring their problems than Toronto is. And even if Toronto goes the other path of we're going to play some some sound five on five D, Good luck doing that against Edmonton. Like this isn't Anaheim. Yeah, that's. I mean, they're generating on everyone so consistently, and I think the Leafs are. Like the last month, you look, they're slightly better than average defensive club, and even their recent goals against totals are fine over the losses. 
I think if you're someone who's seriously making the case for better defenders, you're looking at it from the perspective of better two-way players that are going to help you control yeah. and own more of the play. I don't think the problem is actually that they're that horrible defensively. Um, they're worse than they've been in recent years, but they're still like middle of the pack, upper middle of the pack last month in most metrics. And that's obviously been boosted by a softer schedule to an extent. So I think that's right where they are. They're middle of the pack. And I mean, that's not like a case saying you're going to shut down the Oilers because they're just all over it right now. Yeah, when when things get going in the Leafs defensive end and they start running around, it can happen to a lot of a lot of clubs can do that to them. And I'm just saying, imagine what it's going to look like when the Oilers get an opportunity to the, to do that to them. Factor yeah. in, I'm, and I'm not a big, situation. I'm not like a big national broadcast guy or spot thing, but these games are these Toronto Edmonton games are a huge deal here. Like I feel like oh, you yeah. do hear about it significantly more. There's there's way more eyeballs and. That's my point here is kind of if you've got the Oilers top stars playing at their best level the way they've been going, I think that's a little scary too. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not talking anyone off the oil here at all. I think the numbers will be worse tomorrow by the time the pod comes out. But if you're getting around minus 140, I think it's great. Yeah, I would say, um, you can blame me, not Nick here. I'll say like 155 ish because I, I think it'll move a little bit. So that that's that's where I'll I'll stop it at. Because, you know, hey, and you mentioned it too, a lot of eyeballs. What happens when the Leafs have a lot of eyeballs? Um, yeah, that is true. They to go tend well. to not show up. <laughs> so, hey, maybe we'll, maybe I'll, we'll be idiots here. I, I don't know. Um, again, you can, you can put my name to it because technically it was my best bet here. So, Oilers, my best bet, Nick's best bet, Senators, Avalanche, over six and a half. The underdogs, I have our Yotes. And Nick is considering the Ducks. Make sure you follow him in the action app to figure out where he goes with that. Maybe some patch ready love, maybe some saves love. We'll see there as well. This, yeah, this was a tough one. They, you know, we are already handicapped having uh, Mike out of the yep. picture. And now we, they throw this slate with all kinds of question marks at us. It's it's not fair, really. Yeah, we I know. Someone to give us excuses like Keith for the Leafs. That's what yep. we need right now. And when we have Leboff here, we get plenty of excuses because we can blame every underdog loss on on him brainwashing us. So and th that that's where we can leave it. And in day one of the Leboff vacation, thank you for listening. Hope you made it to the end with Nick and I. For the Action Network's hockey podcast, we are Line Change. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow to Handicap Wednesday, January 17th slate of games enjoy your hockey everybody and make sure you cash your bets unless of course you go against one of us action network reminds you please gamble responsibly if you or someone you care about has a gambling problem help is available 24 7 at 1-800-GAMBLER